There's nothing like waiting till the day of an event to ask someone an important question. Jacob Potter, if you're listening, I'm sorry I'm having to ask this question. It's just I've been told I'm going, and I want to be able to to not have to go through all the rigmarole of getting my tickets. <laughs> Josh, I'm definitely being spoiled. I'm like, where's my press pass? I I don't want to have to walk through the normal entrance, please. Please. And it really, honestly, it's not like it's that bad. I'm being very spoiled. Uh, congratulations to Craig, to Rhonda, and I found an extra pair sitting around. So congratulations to Jana. I don't know how to put this, Josh. I don't know how to put this. I kind of maybe, maybe it's because you know we've been uh, we've been here for a while. Maybe it's because the time slot. I'm not here to point out how attractive the hosts are, but I do feel like we're kind of crushing it in the female demographic right now. Just saying. Just saying. Absolutely. With two of your three winners. So congratulations, Rhonda, Jana, and Craig. Uh, You guys are going tonight. I won't give last names because I could see some smarmy Plank Platoon member showing up being like, hi, I'm Craig. I won tickets on the ref. They've got to show identification, so good luck with that. I appreciate everyone. Caitlin was very fired up whenever we were able to say, hey, this, this has been really solid response. We, uh, we appreciate our audience showing a passion for, well, obviously we're the home of Sooner fans. Sometimes it can be very much, very much geared towards um, football or, or basketball only or softball, but to see it continue to grow is awesome. Um, quiet in the portal right? Kind of a quiet 24 hours. But did one tweet maybe last night kind of magnify the next step, Josh? Here you go. Last night around 6 o'clock, Washington offensive lineman Garen Hatchett announced that he was officially leaving Washington. Now remember, there had been the report that he was in the portal but I believe, um, I believe the buzz was that he was going to at least give Jed Bush an I- Jed Fish. <laughs> I probably should just quit right now. I mean, literally, whenever you, you bring together a former presidential family and what Arizona fans call a snake, that is, that is quite the mistake to make. And, and I can't even say I said Jeb Bush. I, I said Jed Bush. I love it. I, I, oh, my god! I think that we should probably just refer to him as that going forward. <laughs> I'm just quitting right now. Uh, he was going to give Jed Fish an opportunity, right? But last night, Garen tweeted, thank you, Washington. These last four years have been absolutely amazing, and I wouldn't trade them for the world. I learned more than I could ever imagine, and I am forever grateful. I will receive my degree from UW, and I will be moving on for now. With love, go dogs forever. I don't want anybody that's talking about being go dogs forever and crimson and cream, Josh. Significant. This seems to be one of the last portal targets that Oklahoma has looked at in this first portal period that has long been closed but 
with the coaching changes in Alabama, Washington, and Arizona, kind of popped them back open, if you will. So is is the question now, does Garrett Hatchett like covered, covered wagons? Is that where we're going? Uh, yes. Does he like covered wagons? That's <laughs> 1,000% where we're going with this thing. <laughs> it would be a good fit. And I, I feel like we've kind of done the understanding Garrett's resume and and what what he could potentially bring. He got dinged up last year, but was a consistent starter in the uh, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. His brother, who's also, I believe, in the portal, I don't know if he's made a decision, but the hatchet name is familiar to some because his brother was – uh, a target of Oklahoma's back in like 2020, 2021, I believe it was. Uh, and, and I know this because whenever I was doing my Twitter search for Garen Hatchett, the first thing that pops up is a picture of Logan in, in Lincoln Riley's office. It's like, oh, okay. But here's, here's the lowdown for those that haven't been uh, living and dying this in the, in the portal world. Garen Hatchett, 6'4", 303 pounds, played in the season's first eight games before missing three games due to an injury, started at right guard in the games versus Cal, Arizona, Oregon, and Arizona State. He got back to the team, and so it's a situation that you find interesting because he comes back, and he immediately gets his job back. So he comes back in the Apple Cup, and he was named the coach's special teams player of the week. Played in the Pac-12 championship game. Started the games against Texas and Michigan. He seen, There's not a lot of, Captain Obvious here, like stats or numbers that you can look at. You need a really smart uh, offensive line person to maybe watch a little film and tell you what they think. But everything we hear about the Ferndale Washington product, who has been at, at Washington since 2020, didn't play his freshman or sophomore year, but really seemed to kind of burst onto the scene his junior, or his third season, I guess, because there was a red shirt in there. And now uh, he's on his way to Oklahoma. Well, I'm, let me hold on. A pause, Josh. It appears. It. I better slow down. I'm. I'm definitely putting the uh, the covered wagon before the ponies here. But it appears as if this would be one of those guys that Oklahoma has prioritized, right? Yeah, it sounds like it, and uh, obviously. We know that he's entering now, and I, I guess that was kind of one of the big questions was, was he actually going to uh, enter the portal and explore right. going somewhere other than Washington, or was he going to stay and <laughs> play for Jed Fish? And uh, good news, right? I, Oklahoma, you think about their offensive line now. If, uh, if indeed Garen Hatchett transfers to Oklahoma, Sexton at one tackle, Spencer Brown at the other, Fabechi, Wiwu, Garen Hatchett at the respective guards. And then what do you think at center? Is it still Troy Everett? I think there's a battle there. Or Tarkin, does he factor in for Oklahoma at one of these interior uh, offensive line positions too? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, let's do this right now. Hold on. What is, okay, we got a second. All right, let's just go. You ready? You started it. This is your fault. We're in this because of you, Josh. Indeed. All right. Left tackle. Sexton, I mean, right. you're replacing what I think was one of the best transfer additions 
that Oklahoma has had, right, in Walter Rouse. Now, I I don't know, Josh, if you would say that Walter Rouse from start to finish had an amazing year, right? There was a few times where, you know, he got pulled. It happened. But, I mean, what, what are we thinking right now if you're just looking at the 2025 Oklahoma Sooners? I mean, is that – is that Jacob Sexton's job to win at left tackle? I would imagine so. And okay. uh, now he he's he could go left or right, and probably that's the case for Spencer Brown too. See, but, I kind of think Brown's more right. You but think he's again, locked in over there? I don't know. <laughs> Bill Beanbow's going to challenge you to play every position, but if you just go on, like, historically what he's been able to do and how he's played – are where he's played, then that's the that's the spot. Now, here's another thing. We brought up, you know, Garen Hatchett in this. I mean, immediately, right away, I mean, right away, Mrs. Love, who is our foremost connoisseur of Transfer Portal News, tells us that his brother is actually visiting OU this weekend. Mom is here, too. Santa John, you, you hit that, too, so thank you. That's Landon. So... You know, I don't know if they're looking at both, right? Or, or maybe maybe Landon's looking and, and he's going to pass it along to Garrett. I don't know. But there's another name you might be adding to that mix. But, I, again, if we're just focusing on what we think it looks like in the current roster, assuming Garen Hatchett ends up transferring to Oklahoma, I mean, that makes you feel a lot better about the way those interior spots in the offensive line are going to look, right? Well, absolutely. You would have added Wee Woo and Hatchet uh, inside there to go along, and, and Tarkin uh, inside. So that's that's a lot that you've brought into the interior of the offensive line. Not to mention, again, every time we have an offensive line conversation, because you're losing the amount of experience that Oklahoma's losing, it uh, understandably creates a little bit of a freakout. But I do think – the coaching staff likes what they have on campus, but uh, look, if you can go get experienced players, you'd like to do that. So you combine and blend the experienced guys out there with what Oklahoma likes that it already had in-house. And center is a fascinating position to me because uh, based on what I can gather here, really none of these guys you would just automatically consider uh, out of the portal as a plug-and-play center, right? So we're still thinking Everett and Bates at center. Yeah, and, you know, let's I, – I have a take, and you tell me if you agree with it or not. This is the last year that Oklahoma goes hard in the portal on offensive line. They've committed too many scholarships to it out of high school, right? I mean – Again, we, we can fight until we're blue in the face about development versus talent acquisition. Um, like I said, I get to work with one of the smartest offensive line guys I know, and Gabe uh, used to be almost on a daily basis. And he constantly is saying, hey, offensive line is a position you get better, you know, the older you get. And that, that's some for a lot. But like a running back might lose some tread on their tires. Same for a receiver. But for an offensive line, you get smarter and wiser. Not, and I mean even up through the NFL, right? Rookie, second year. So, in my opinion now, you look at what Oklahoma has done in recruiting Josh and how many high school guys they brought in. Am I 
I mean, the, the portal has been so successful for OU, but at some point you want to start seeing these dudes be what they're supposed to be, right? So am I – if if I start – I was trying to pull up the roster while we were talking about it. But am I, am I wild in thinking that you might look at it as a fan and you say, we brought in five offensive linemen? What's going on here? But in that same vein, you, you realize – the amount of young guys they brought on campus, this gives them a little bit more time to develop, and you would think this is the last time you have to do and commit this many resources in the portal to the O-line. Am I, am I being too overly optimistic here? No, I don't think that's uh, too optimistic of a thought, and uh, it could very well play out that way. It just, it just depends on if these young guys stay – at Oklahoma, which my, my hope would be oh that. Oh, my gosh, good point. Indeed, I didn't think about that. <laughs> in, indeed they do, and probably they will, right? Oklahoma has to like what they've signed in this, this previous class and the class before that and what they've got hopefully coming in here. And yet uh, you think about what they've added in this transfer portal cycle, and it's a lot. And probably at any position group, you don't want to be in the business of adding four and five every offseason, though – the situation, I think, has sort of presented itself to Oklahoma to where you don't run the risk of not bringing in that type of experience if you can at a position that just flat out got depleted. Mm. Boy, you hit on something right there that kind of shook me back a bit. He's like, yeah, that sounds great, Plank, but you got to make sure you keep those guys on campus. Right? And then while they're on campus, they're developing. Oklahoma's committed a lot to the offensive line, man. They always have. Now I think you're in a position to where, you know, this is this is a portal cycle where, I mean, let's face it, whenever all is said and done, what are we looking at, Josh? I mean, potentially five offensive linemen that they get out of the portal? Is that right? That's, that's wild. Well, then again, you got a lot of guys to replace, too, that transferred out. Absolutely. And you got guys that uh, are on to professional futures and eligibilities up and this, that, and the other. But uh, I think you're right in the sense that really I don't know that Oklahoma wants to be adding all these guys out of the portal to begin with. True. I don't think philosophically probably that's where you want to be, but circumstance has you here. And let's hope circumstance moving forward maybe doesn't, and it's one or two names out of the portal. But, look, uh, you've got the transfer portal there and you've got a need, and you have the circumstance that's arrived, and when all those ingredients are together, you would be foolish to not try to immediately improve your roster. I think this is an interesting – oh, my gosh, they're playing Backstreet Boys, Josh. I know this dance if you want me to do it. Remember where they are? They're like a haunted house, and they're at some sort – their car breaks down, and the next thing you know, they're at a haunted house, and there's some Halloween party going on. you got to remember, I had a little sister, okay? Or in this case, I have a daughter who has rediscovered Backstreet Boys. The sound of the millennium. That's right. Um, yeah, two good questions here, two good points on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 615 out of Tennessee says, I hope you don't mind me adding a few words to this, sir. I'm, I'm concerned that they're just average at offensive tackle. You can't be average at offensive tackle where we're going, guys. You ever, um, you ever, uh, 
do an event where they say, hey, you got to hydrate. You better make sure you hydrate before you go do this, right? I kind of feel like this is the necessity of, like, hydration before going on a on a hot trip somewhere. Yeah, we need, we need tackles. <laughs> we need dudes on the edge because – uh, it's going to be a wild league as far as edge rushers are concerned, right? Need interior guys. Hey, what has what has Gabe consistently said? Well, I, we, I think he's talking about offensive tackles, uh, left tackle, right tackle. Well, uh, you need interior guys too. But well, yes. no, no, I'm not arguing it. I'm not arguing it. I just don't want uh, my man from Tennessee getting mad at me. Um, Gabe has said one thing about Jacob Sexton. Dude's got to live in the weight room. And I uh, – it seems as if everything technique-wise, understanding-wise, all those things that Bill Beanbow demands, it seems Josh Jacob Sexton has it. Now the question is, can he get strong enough? Can he hit that? Now that, that would make you feel better at one tackle. I don't know what to expect of Spencer Brown. Do you? Experienced hand that's played a lot of uh, football right. in the Big Ten, so – I expect him to be a starter for Oklahoma right now. I expect that. Now, level of play, is he going to be sure. an elite offensive tackle? No, I, I'm not familiar enough uh, with your game, sir. To I'm not. <laughs> But uh, on Jacob Sexton, I would imagine, look, it's right here in front of you. You're a right. starting tackle at Oklahoma if you take care of your business this offseason. It should be pretty motivating to go to the, the weight room and your nutrition, it should be pretty motivating this yeah. offseason to, quote-unquote, get right because, look, uh, there's a lot of opportunity in front of you to be handsomely paid going forward. And then one one more here from Sean. It's a fair point. Oklahoma uh, offensive line OU has lived in the portal. In-house OL has been the exception, not the rule, for years. Yeah, it has been. You know, it's uh, – I mean, even Tyler Guyton, who portaled in – I mean, he was here a couple of years, but still, it portal guy. You, And I, I'm sure I could have game, question, any of those guys that live on the offensive line. I'm sure they could sit here and explain the millions of reasons why it doesn't always work out out of high school. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a fascinating – People like percentages and balances and numbers and things of that nature. I, I can't even imagine how high that percentage of snaps is from guys that were, were portal ads for the Sooners on the offensive line. Like if you were to take a number per a position across the, like across the country of Power 5 schools, there might not be a position that's had more snaps from portal guys as a group than the offensive line. There's going to be quarterbacks and there's going to be uh, a running back. But just as a group, pretty amazing. All right, quick break. Um, 10 22. Might, might be uh, 80% of the snaps uh, next year, the way this thing's going. Yeah. And Jacob Sexton, or I, you know what's funny is thinking about recruiting, so many times we refer to recruiting in these conversations, Josh. Thinking about recruiting. I heard infinitely more about Jake Taylor coming in than I ever did Jacob Sexton. And I don't, I mean, Jake Taylor is just a guy that it doesn't seem as if he's been able to find that next level. Who knows? Maybe it's this year. Maybe this conversation is moot because he goes out and balls out. I don't know. 
But as it looks right now, we're going to get to know a lot of new faces whenever it comes to the Oklahoma offensive line. All right, quick break. There is quite the fight in the National Football League going on. Quite the fight involving one Bill Belichick. We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Ref. It's the home of Sooner fans. Looks like good news. Mark Andrews is back. The Andrews. Well, that, yeah, good news, bad news. Good news, it's a Sooner guy coming back. Bad news, Josh, it's another weapon for Baltimore. Likely has been really good for them. Yeah, and you don't want to force someone in that might not be 100%, but, dude, he's, if he's ready to go, you got to let him go, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, and then this real quick before we get to the latest NFL coaching news. 615 brought this up. Tennessee, we're coming in hot in Tennessee today, baby. Have you guys been following this? Oh, actually, it's, never mind. Have you guys been following this Vince McMahon stuff? Holy moly. If it's true, I think John Laronitis and Brock Lesnar have some issues on their hands as well. Uh, I apologize. 580 Nate had pointed out that the Royal Rumble is this weekend. So my wrestling cannot be deviated from anything involving CM Punk and I almost said Dustin Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. All right, I got to be focused on that. And that amazing moment whenever the last two guys are left in the Royal Rumble, Josh, and they both stop and they look up at the WrestleMania sign. Got those moments. But I, uh, I'll have to plead ignorance on this one, 615, because I only did the headline scroll on it. But it, if it involves Vince McMahon, as Josh Helmer brought up during the commercial break, it really hasn't been very good news over the last five or six years. Yeah, typically Vince McMahon news is uh, not what I would term the positive variety. Whoa. 67-page lawsuit? I'm not familiar with Janelle Grant. But apparently she worked in the legal and talent department at WWE. Ooh, yeah, this doesn't look good. Forced her into um, physical relationships in order for her to get and keep a job. Yeah, it's not good. Vince, Vince, why, why is this coming out before Royal Rumble? What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Josh, breaking news. Sounds like Vince McMahon was involved in some really bad stuff during his time at WWE. Shocking. I know. The, it, it's almost as though you've heard that before. Right. Shocking. The man who watched someone fall to their death in front of a sold-out crowd and a live pay-per-view audience said, the show must go on. Shocking. He might be a terrible person. Though I did meet his daughter, and she was very pleasant. Uh, but now I, and knowing Josh, not a big wrestling guy, probably won't go too in depth on this. Yeah, apparently the. Uh, I don't think I want to. Folks are telling us that text messages are pretty. pretty really, gross. Jesse G, don't read Vince's text messages to her. <laughs> I just saw an innocent until proven guilty signed O.J. Simpson. That's. I'm not laughing about this story. This is all 580 Nate's fault. His texts are going to get me canned one of these days. Like, Mr. Plank, were you laughing about the story of the, I don't know, the, the cruise ship that's disappeared? I'm like, yeah, it's Nate's fault. I'm sorry. 
What's the rule on how long before something can be funny? Is there a rule about that? Oh, I'm not the expert on the timeline. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. There, there's an actual rule about how long before something is funny. And because the comedians were making a big deal about how 9-11 had reached that point, and you're just like, yeah, I, I just think some things aren't ever going to be funny, right? Certain things, yes. <laughs> okay. Rule about how long before something is funny. Oh, uh, the 22, uh, 22.3 years. The rule of 22, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> how do they work that math out? I don't know. I don't know. Not good. How do they add like a whole generation it's kind of because think about it, if it happens when you're eight, right, by that point you're 30. Let's think yeah. about what happened in 2002. What's now funny? <laughs> um, today is a big day on the debate shows, Josh. I don't know if you've had them on there in the Buffalo Wild Wings studio. But I feel like today is a day where those who maybe have a, an ax to grind or maybe really want to get hot takey, this is the day where they either get their pot shots in on Bill Belichick or they make wild out-of-left-field projections. So I ask you, where would you like to start on the Bill Belichick buzz? Would you like to start with the let's get our shots in because he kind of got humbled here a little bit? Or do you want to start with the wild and crazy rumors that are out there? I like wild and crazy, wild and crazy rumors. Okay, do I don't got? know if you'll like. I don't know if you'll like this one. Craig Carton, who, by the way, Craig, he needs a home run. Okay, he needs a home run. He's not getting this hot take buzz that Nick Wright and Skip Bayless are getting. Josh, right? In fact, with Craig, you're like, wait, what? Craig Carton. I think Bill Belichick will be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs next year. Adam Schefter and Mike Florio have brought up this same scenario. Quote, I think that's where he goes after Andy Reid retires after this year. I don't know how I feel about it. It, uh, it would make sense because, look, you, you get to coach – arguably the greatest quarterback in the National Football League in, in this era. It's set up for you to go win Super Bowls, right? Which, at right. Bill Belichick's age, I would imagine the less building I can do and the more winning I can do in an immediate fashion, that's what I want to be a part of. And, oh, by the way, Kansas City, they should want to hire, right, somebody with a Super Bowl sure. or playoffs-type pedigree. So th that part of the fit makes sense. Me uh, wrapping my mind around welcoming pure evil to Kansas City, I, I'm struggling with that part. I was, I was thinking about that because of my excitement about Tom Brady being a part of the Raiders, uh, our, our, our perceived part, right? They, they haven't quite got it done yet. But to think um, Tom Brady's going to be a part of the Raiders' ownership group, Josh, that's welcoming, that's welcoming in pure evil. I mean, I'm, I'm bringing in a guy that ruined – I mean, I could go as far as saying my life. He's we have not recovered from the tuck rule. And now all of a sudden he's buddy buddy and sitting by the owner and they're gonna figure this thing out. I just don't know how to feel about it. But if we win, I'm sure I'm gonna embrace it. So you're okay, uh sidebar here, real quick. 
And if you're wondering why this is a, is a conversation, the Atlanta Falcons were perceived to be the place where Bill Belichick would land. Last night they hired Raheem Morris, who I guess we've forgotten about the tough run that Raheem Morris had in Tampa. I guess that's just completely ignored now. It's gone, baby. But I, I guess so. But so Raheem Morris got hired in Atlanta, which means Bill Belichick's job is out, at least the place that it seems like they want him. And so now the theory – is it the theory that he was maybe waiting on Kansas City or just that's the way they would look if Andy Reid retires? I don't think Andy Reid is retiring, by the way. I hope not. I'd, I'd like to see him go another half decade with Mahomes and really, for the most part, be the coach for Mahomes' career, right? And then you got five or whatever's left and somebody else maybe can try and take uh, Mahomes on one final championship run. But I hope for Reid that uh, he sticks because he's got a great situation and and Andy Reid's Kansas City, right? That's my he coach, is. man. That's my coach. All right. So we mentioned there's another side to this, right? There's there's those who are ready to take their shots and uh, make sure that they they know that Bill Belichick is, I don't know the term would be not worthy. This is uh, Ryan Clark has been the guy. He started with this. I think we can get this. Well, anytime like, a team goes on a three-game losing streak, Brian right. Hall, that's All these guys, they're going to have to answer the question about Cause that's because because we're stupid, <laughs> right? That, that That's why. And we were stupid when Bill Belichick was agreed to mutually part ways from New England because we feed those stories, not the true people who are making the decisions, yeah. which is who I was thinking about when we were having this conversation two weeks ago. We look at Bill Belichick because legacy is our thing. Right? The resume is our thing. History is his thing, not mine. He's way smarter than me. And so when you look at Bill Belichick, we were looking at all those things. Because you are the greatest coach of all time does not mean you're the best coach right, right now. What was it? You know what? I got to be honest with you. When I heard it, the fr- oh, here's the problem. He went on first take and started talking about uh, the streets were going to be tougher for Bill Belichick and they weren't going to be hot, right? And that I, I think use an analogy, said you're not going to kick your spouse out of your bed because Bill Belichick, right? Pretty funny stuff. But if he would have stayed, I think, with just that initial take, that's a really good take, I think, Josh. Now, that doesn't mean Bill Belichick still can't bring that legacy here wherever he goes, and he's shown he can do it. But – I guess these three years have been, including the fact that he did make the playoffs with Mac Jones, or at least had a playoff caliber record with Mac Jones as his quarterback two years ago. I guess these last three years have been really damning. Bill Belichick has not forgotten how to coach football. Okay, I know. He hasn't forgotten how to win Super Bowls. There he hasn't go. forgotten how to win, uh, you know, AFC, NFC championships. He's still got all of it in the tank. But uh, he hasn't been in the right situation. New England has not been a good football team, and they've not had a good quarterback. And in the National Football League, not in every situation, okay, but in about 9 out of 10 situations, if I show you a great quarterback, probably I've got a pretty doggone good football team. And if you don't, then probably you won't. And that's been the situation Belichick has been in. So this idea that suddenly he's magically forgotten how to coach championship football, miss me with that. Quick break. I don't think he's forgotten how to coach anything. But I do think it's fascinating that what Ryan Clark said about, like, 
we just saw a guy that's been a coordinator for one year get a job. There's a dude out on the market with like eight Super Bowl rings. I mean, it's just it's 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 funny. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's uh, dive in to your text next on the ref. Hour number two. It's the Plank Show right here, home of Sooner fans. We are back, baby. Just like we said we'd be back. He's Chris Plank. I'm Josh Helmer. No lies detected. Hour number two presented by Allison Insurance. Allisoninsurance.com, where you can check them out online. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements. So much more that Bob and Robert Allison can uh, help find the needs to best fit you in your office for insurance. With 405 745 68 uh, from guy from parts unknown so uh no frozen jokes about kc fans whoa guy guy whoa that was just like last week dude that story How, why why is this not being talked about more i heard have we we had mentioned it right on the show I, because i did we i, I not with me here i don't break. think I, I maybe on monday it. you did this, I heard Teddy and Tyler talk about it yesterday, and it's the first time I've heard anyone mention it on the air. Now, in, in full disclosure, I'm probably not up like 6, 7 a.m. for T-Row and TJ. So, sorry, guys, if you talked about it. But I, there's a girl I went to, like, high school with or something, and she's an investigator, has, like, a Facebook page, and one day, like, I, I think it was, gosh, like Monday morning, she had this massive, like, post about it. On Facebook. And if you don't know what we're referencing. Three chief fans were found dead in the backyard of like a watch party. And of, they didn't of one dis- of their friends. Of one of their friends' houses. And they weren't discovered until like two days later. And the gentleman whose house it was said he had no idea they were back there. Yeah. Which. No clue whatsoever. I don't know, man. Something sounds fishy there. Everything about this is weird. How would but, you? How would you not you're having a watch party, and you you magically don't uh, pay any attention to where your friends ended the night. I mean, come on, man. There's something else going on. Your, to be in your backyard. I mean, I don't know about you, Josh. I kind of do a backyard slash front yard scan every day. Well, do I mean, you not? I know it snowed. Do you not say goodbye to people when they leave your watch party? Oh, it's very weird. And obviously a, a sad and, and dark story. Oh, man, it's terrible. It's terrible. Ter- terrible, Josh, terrible. So um, no uh, no frozen jokes, unfortunately. So we have until, Guy, 2046 before that'll be funny. All right, where do you want to go next? That's a good point, yeah. Just <laughs> uh, stick with the timeline, yeah. That's 2046, it will be funny then. Uh, cool Mojay. I found a freaking dime and penny on the ground. Picked it up, wiped it off. I'm 11 cents richer. Boomer Sooner, baby. 2024 is looking up. 2024 is looking up. That's uh. Did you mean to send that two hours ago to the T Row in the morning show? Wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Pause. Just a minute. What, what, what'd you just ask? If they meant to send that text two hours earlier. Oh. <laughs> I to the T Row in the morning if, show. I thought you asked me if I had listened two hours earlier. <laughs> well, because that's uh, that's the thing, right? It is oh, found funny. a quarter. <laughs> it is, but it also shows you how little we need right now to make us feel good about things. Josh, Kumo J found eleven cents 
and life is good for him. Congratulations. Take the little wins. Take the little wins. All right, where are we going next? How about this women's basketball team out of the 615? Ginny Baranchek is the real deal. Boy, she's done a great job with this squad, right? And the whole staff. And it's, an, it's a – I hate to say new staff, but you lost two of your assistants, right? Now you're able to add one so there's familiarity because Shannon Gage had been the director of ops. But you got – you know, you've got a you know, late shift at, at assistant and – They've worked together. They've come together, and they're 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 cooking right now. They're cooking. I I really like watching them too, Josh. I really like watching them. I think they're good. All right, where do you want to go next? From just Jim out of the nine one eight, Plank. Sometimes you got to root for a team in spite of the owner. Case in point, I present the Dallas Cowboys. I don't have a problem with Mark Davis, Josh. I really don't. This problem, as he refers to, is more with Tom Brady being a part of it. And I don't really know if I have that big of a problem with that either. Well, we can – look, uh, we can be talked into pure evil. I know, right? I, I'm not saying I can't be sold. Um, it, it's interesting because I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm on the super secret textoso line. And one other quick one before we break, Shep had checked in. And uh, – on the Andy Reid report, I don't even know if it's a report, right, Josh? It's more of a theory, I think, that's thrown out there. Andrew writes, Florio absolutely hates Kansas City. That Belichick stuff he's putting out is only for clicks and attention. Big Red isn't going anywhere anytime soon with Pat and great management in place. That's I love how it. I feel. That's yeah. That's how I feel. That's right. Take that, Florio. I, I do. I will say this. I don't think. Florio hates the Chiefs or hates the Raiders. I just think he hates football. He probably I don't know. <laughs> well, he might be right there. He also loves I, clicks. I don't know why he covers football because, as Jeff Schwartz told me, he writes and talks and acts like he hates football. <laughs> that is a curious uh, occupation. I mean, if, if you think about it, everything that's great about football he seems to have a problem with. It's, it's just – it's never – and I remember Pro Football Talk whenever it was – I mean, he's not, he's a rock star, dude. He really, truly is. But I just don't know why he covers football because he seems to hate it so much. Yeah, I don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere. All right, quick break. Uh, when we come back, let's put a wrap on hour number two to get you ready for a little, little talk about collectives and what the Crimson and Cream Collective is doing. That's next right here on The Ref. Do you have game, game day viewing plans? What's your plan for Sunday? Because this is your first AFC Championship game ever as as a uh, as a I almost said married as Basically, an engaged yeah. man. Yeah, it is uh, like really the rest of this season. It will be at home <laughs> with the uh, with the fiance and I don't know probably nobody else. I uh, I like to try to pretend I'm going to do something different. I'm gonna watch. Here's where I'm gonna watch the game, or here how how I'm gonna. And I usually end up just watching it the same way every time, sitting on my. No, I don't sit, standing an inch in front of the TV. It's like, no wonder I can't see anything anymore. I watch all my sporting events on my what a 55, 61 inch, whatever, and I'm just standing right in front of it. Are you a stander or are you uh, able to chill? I'm an all over. I'm a whatever the moment calls for kind of person as I'm watching. It'll be uh, it'll be great. Uh, 
my fiance Amanda will watch for about a quarter and a half until I get frustrated, and then she'll go do something else. <laughs> my daughter will watch with me until uh, until they show Taylor Swift, and then until she uh, wants to play, which is good for me. I give her my phone, so that way I'm not tempted to fight with anyone on social media. It's like here, play your games. Just sit here. Watch the football game. Be quiet. Let's go. And then, of course, I'll say, oh, look, there's Taylor Swift, and that's whenever everyone pays attention. It's worked for me, Josh. It's worked for me. I'm not somebody who is anti-Taylor Swift showing up at Chiefs games or dating Travis Kelsey because it has brought my family into football as skosh. Well, the ratings from uh, last week show that probably <laughs> it was pretty good, too. That, that pie chart that you sent me. Yeah. <laughs> We got to hit that at some point. Yeah, we yeah we probably got to bring it to the masses. What is it? A percentage of time that they show Taylor Swift on the broadcast? And it, was, it was basically zero. <laughs> right now, that does not account for all of the Facebook posts. And this, that's true. This entity writes this Taylor Swift story. That entity writes that one. Uh huh. So it is. Uh, I understand some of the frustration from fans for sure, but uh, on the social media news side but from a broadcast standpoint look yeah. they're not showing her that much did you make a first impression like jason kelsey did the first time you met your uh, fiance's family uh, no i rip your shirt off and go chug beers with the opposing team's fans no i would describe myself as a little more laid back than that <laughs> I, I think that's the funniest discovery this weekend is that that's the first time that jason has met his brother's girlfriend and in doing so, proceeded to rip his shirt off and chug beers with the opposing team's fans. I well, mean, come on. That's pretty honest, though. <laughs> I, he's like, hey, this is this is what you're getting into. All right, listen, we got a break. Uh, we're caught up. So I've been excited about this. Um, I'm, I'm pumped to talk about it. The Crimson and Cream Collective has launched a membership drive, and we're going to learn about the ins and outs, uh, the realities, and the falsehoods of Collectives next when Jason Belzer joins us right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.